Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I have Darren Ranke on with us. And he has written an amazing book called The Savage Leader. And I am excited to have him on. First of all, he has an incredible journey to share with you. Secondly, his book is amazing. I haven't quite gotten through all of it yet, but I've read part of it and I'm already enthralled and waiting till my next break when I can read some more. And third, he is an amazing connection from Larry Levine. Now, if you've ever been listening to this podcast, you've heard me talk about Larry quite a few times, his book, Selling from the Heart. He is one of my amazing clients and I love him dearly. So anyone that Larry recommends to me has to be on this show. So welcome to the show, Darren. Great to be here. So Darren, tell us a little bit about your story. So what really led you to becoming that savage leader? That's a, I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version, but if I rewind the tape back to my childhood, so I, I grew up in Northern California, very typical kid. I'd say probably the most interesting fun fact was that my parents are both veterinarians, which everyone asks how that come to be. Well, they met in veterinary school, so that made that for an easy connection. And all I really knew growing up was health science. So we talked about their cases at dinner time. And uh, my sister ended up going down the medical path and becoming a vet or a uh, sorry a dermatologist, a human dermatologist, which everyone looks at me weird when I say that because my mom's a veterinary dermatologist. So my dad is a veterinary orthopedic surgeon. And so, of course, my path naturally was to go become a human orthopedic surgeon. About my third year in college, yes, I did go the five-year route to explore some different courses and things. I realized that, that med school wasn't the path for me for a whole variety of reasons. And I was intrigued by this nebulous world of business. And luckily, one of my best friends growing up, his dad uh, was an executive for a very large bank. He said, hey, Darren, I really encourage you to look at investment banking and consulting. It's a great way to figure things out, quote unquote, look at different industries, different functions, different companies. And so I ended up landing a job at Accenture, what was Anderson Consulting at the time out of the San Francisco office, working in management consulting. Did that for about four years to, to figure it out, as you will led me to business school because I realized I didn't have the business foundations that I wanted. I wanted more about finance and marketing and organizational design, uh, accounting, et cetera. And so I went and did my MBA in two years and came out and wanted to get into consumer worlds, ended up working for Gap Corporate for the old Navy brand. And just that wasn't really the right fit for me. So I ended up going back and doing some freelance consulting when we moved to Los Angeles, bounced around at a few of my own startups. And was a little bit of a, a career crossroads because I wasn't really 
finding resonance in terms of what really got me excited. Yeah. I was making companies, a lot of money doing consulting work, <laughs> working for some brands that made some products that people knew about and were passionate about. But what I realized is I eventually got into the world of executive coaching and I always, I knew what coaching was as an athlete in high school from a sports context, but I didn't really know what that meant from a business context. So luckily another mentor of mine, Annette, who used to run all of Gallup's global consulting division, Told me, told me about this coach training program, Coach U, and they actually happen to have three times a year an in-person fast track program in San Diego. So about 10 minutes down the coast from my house. So I signed up for one of the first times in my life, not knowing what I would get out the other side. What I did know was that increasingly I saw soft skills as being really important to the success of projects and organizations. And I saw so many projects go into the ditch because of underdeveloped leaders and leadership teams. So I, I just naturally started to get a sense for the importance of those soft skills. So I went to the coach training program. It was probably the six most important days of my career to that point in terms of just being eye-opening in terms of, wow, this is something that really fits me well. I feel like I have some natural aptitude for it, but more importantly, it felt like it fit my just desire to actually to give back, to tap back into the desire to go to med school and become a physician because I wanted to help people, not in the health science context anymore, but this was a great way to, to blend my business experience, understanding leaders, leadership teams, organizations, corporate strategy, but blending in the soft skills into that so I could help leaders become great. And the savage leader to me, it's, and I can get into why I chose the, the title of savage leader, but to me, it's about someone who's bold being willing to be introspective and to challenge themselves, to look inside of themselves, to define to what it means for them to be great. And everyone has a different definition of greatness, but as you move along that journey to become great, it requires that, that ability to be savage with yourself, to be introspective, to be self-aware about things that are important to you. So your values, understanding and becoming more authentic about tapping into and understanding and beating back self-limiting beliefs. So that's to me, what it means to be a savage leader. Wow. You know what? There's just some things that I so love about your story. You know, sometimes we meet these people and it's like they have their life so together, you know, everything it went from A to B to C to D. And you look at these people and you think, yeah, that's not my life. Right. And so I love that, you know, you actually were one of these people that, you know, you kind of went from thing to thing. You were trying to find what it was that you really resonated with. And I think that's, that's important as an entrepreneur. I mean, I know my entrepreneurial journey, you know, I had been in several different things before I finally kind of fell into publishing because I literally fell into publishing. Uh, it was not on my wheelhouse or the game plan for my life, but, you know, I have now found the place that I call home. So I love that about your story. Darren, I would love for you to share more about the savage leader. And also you use the word soft skills and maybe just explain that, you know, what would be the difference between a soft skill and a hard skill, say as an entrepreneur, a manager or a leader? Sure. So a hard skill is more an easy example as someone, the ability to run you know, pro formas or financial statements or whatnot on, on Excel. Like that's a really very tangible hard skill or the ability to edit videos, right? And a soft skill is more around how do you, it's all the squishy stuff, right? Like how do you, how do you empower someone? How do you motivate someone? How do you communicate effectively? It's those things that really are 
it's harder to measure sometimes, but it's what really matters, right? It's like to get someone to, to achieve an outcome, there's a lot of nuance and softness and uh, agility that you need to actually get people to, to make some of those changes. So that's, that's one way I would look at soft skills versus hard skills. How can someone know whether they're a savage leader or not? Because that, that's something that you, you, know, you don't hear that term very often. Sure. So, well, first off, in terms of the savage leader. So for me as a, a former or recovering marketer, I'm always looking for something that just catches people's attention. So I love this concept of just savage leader. It's a little bit provocative, or at least it was, you know, caught my eye in terms of an interesting term. And I would say, you know, if you are one, it's more of about the savage leader is more about an ethos. It's more about a community of like-minded people who, who yearn for greatness, whatever that may be. And it's, it's about a journey. So I believe that there's a, a internal journey that we go on as leaders to become great. And that parallels the external journey where, where most books, most courses, most Ted talks focus on are these externally visible behaviors around becoming better at projecting vision and holding your team accountable and being a better decision maker and assessing risk is those are of course, really important leadership competencies, but my focus, our focus, the book's focus is around the internal focus, internal journey that we go on to be great. So it's less about, are you a savage leader? Yes. If you can live up to these 13 principles, then yeah, I would say you are, but I wouldn't, don't want to use it as like a filtering mechanism to say you are, or you're not. It's more about, Hey, are you in, do you have a desire to be great? Are you willing to be introspective? And third, which is how do you activate those first two things, which is, are you willing to put in the work to use that introspection to achieve your own definition of greatness? And I use that word greatness, and I don't mean to be, use it recklessly because I think it's, it's something that different people have different definitions. So if you ask someone like um, for basketball fans, Steph Curry, I grew up in the Bay Area. And you know, if you asked him years ago, he said, what's your, what's greatness to you? He might've said, well, becoming the best shooter of all time. I think that that might be actually fact at this point. So maybe now he might say becoming the best scorer or becoming the best sports franchise of all, of all time. But you know, that's, that's obviously a very exceptional individual and maybe not that relatable for most people, but what about if you asked a, you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, you know, they may say something different than a um, community activist or a teacher, or even a parent who wants to just to be great is to raise well-adjusted kids who can go out in the world and be successful. So it's a, so that greatness thing, I think is an interesting word. I think it's an, it's an aspirational and lofty thing for people that aim for, but that's, that's part of becoming a savage leader. Well, I can definitely really relate. You know, when my kids were growing up, um, I made the decision to stay home and, you know, be with my kids and raise my kids. My husband, he worked a lot to make sure that he could financially, you know, provide for the family while I stayed home. And we made that decision because we wanted to give you know, our children the best. I wanted to raise responsible adults who would make a difference in their own way in the world. And so I love that. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about greatness, one of the things you mentioned is, is that the fact that it's not just one thing in your life. You know, it's not like you hit this one pinnacle and okay, life is over, right? Greatness, your own term of the greatness is ever expanding. So, you know, as a new entrepreneur, um, greatness might be, you know, I'm now making a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand dollars a month, right? Greatness might be, I've now brought on employees, right? So, greatness might be, I've helped so many clients and customers. 
So I love that, you know, greatness is defined within ourselves. It's, it's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think you get, yeah, I think a lot about purpose and that's, it, it all comes from inside of you or hopefully it does because it's easy to measure ourselves to external folks, to people we grew up with, to peers, to people in the media. And I, interesting quote. So I interviewed the CEO of pray.com recently. He said, comparison is the thief of joy which I thought was a pretty cool way to think about not comparing yourself to everybody else. That's, that can be really challenging, but the idea of that sense of purpose and your value system should really come from inside. Of course, we're influenced by people around us, by society around us, but ideally those can really emanate from inside of us. So I know this is something that Larry talks about a lot, of, a lot and I'd love to hear your perspective, but what role does authenticity play in being that true savage leader that makes a difference? I, mean, I think it's everything. I think, um, you know, the, the first foundational principle in the book is about being identifying and anchoring to your values, but authenticity is really an expression of those values. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's, it's absolutely one of the critical underpinnings of becoming a savage leader is, is someone who is, who can connect to those values and authentically expresses them. And sometimes people will say, well, should I express my true most authentic, true self in every context. It's like, no, I almost look at it like a, the Russian dolls or pure, peeling back an onion is that you show different layers. They should all line up and be resonate with each other, but you're probably not going to show the exact same person at a, uh, you know, corporate event or in a team meeting as you might on a, you know, 4th of July bar barbecue with your most nearest and dearest friends. But I think authenticity is one of the core pillars and principles of becoming a savage leader or frankly, being a great leader. But one thing that, um, if you don't mind me going off trail for a minute, but no, go ahead. one of the things that, that I learned from writing the book, and we can go more deeply into this later on, is it allowed me or maybe even forced me to be that authentic version of myself in the way that I wrote. And in fact, I stopped reading other leadership books for a time in my life because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just copying and pasting and mirroring and emulating what other people were doing in the space. But I wanted to do something that actually really felt what I wanted to do. I didn't want to write what other people wanted to see. I wanted to write what I wanted to write, what I wanted to put out into the world. So for me, it it forced me to be more authentic because I think writing a book really requires you to do that. But the benefit was, gosh, I, just, I, I gave myself permission to do that in writing a book. And then that started to bleed through in terms of how I'd work with clients and being more authentic and being a little bit more vulnerable, not like full open the kimono vulnerability, but in terms of just being more vulnerable. And I would say one of the unexpected consequences of that was just, it was just more fun just mm -hmm. to stop being the, the smart Darren, the Haas, Darren, Berkeley Haas, Darren, the Accenture Darren, but to be more of like the true person, the true version of myself that I showed to, to other people, but not to everyone. And so doing that was a real benefit was to get more, more joy in the work that I was doing. I, I so love that. Now I've got one more question for you before we kind of move to talking about, you know, you writing and publishing your book. So, you know, you talked about authenticity and having those different layers. How important is it as a savage leader to have that small community around you, that sort of inner circle where, you know, you can get down to the really deep, true, true self and find help and support that you need? It is so important because it's such a lonely path as you talk about the entrepreneurial journey. And especially as an author, right? You're writing a book and it's, it's for me, it was 5 a.m. mornings, midweek, weekends, vacations, holidays, et cetera. 
writing. And it's just, it can be a lonely experience. And of course, these doubts creep into your mind. You know, I text friends of mine who are in the beginning stages of their startups and there's always these doubts and it's just having people around you who can do a couple of things like one, which is give you advice, right. To help you. They've had that shared experience. They've been successful. So leaning on those people, um, people who can uh, just even be there to support you, you know, Hey, like this is, this is really tough for me. Like I get it. I've been through there and just to cheer you on. Like, Hey, when you, when you go for it and you really take a risk, they cheer you on and say, let's you, you got this, go do it. And if you fail, like help pick you back up as well. I mean, those, those are really can be helpful. It's not just the advice and the guidance, but it's actually really that support structure. One of the things I, I lead two different CEO groups and yes, the, the use case for being in these groups is to get advice and insight on their businesses. But I would say a big reason why they're there is that shared experience, the pressure, the challenges, the rigors of being a CEO, just all the things that go along with it. And you're responsible for everyone in the company and making payroll and all those different things. There's that shared experience and that sense of caring for one another. That's really important. And the same thing grow, goes for individuals in creating a personal board of advisors, if you will. I, I so agree. You know, I you cannot do this entrepreneurial journey alone. Any anyone who thinks they can usually ends up failing because you you need those support systems. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm teaching in my book, Author to Authority, coming out is, you know, building that network of people. And part of that network, and I call them comrades because I use C's for all the words, but is you know, creating that community of people around you who you know, maybe are a little bit above you, but around the same level as you are, that you can encourage and support each other. You know, these are the people that you go to when you look at them, you know, and you've had a rough day as an entrepreneur and you go, I just want to quit. Like, this is not fun. Right. And of course, if you were to say that to your family, your friends, you know, all that kind of stuff, they go, oh, yeah, we understand. You know, you, you should give this up if it's too hard. We love you. We support you. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. your comrades go. Yeah, been there, done that. You know, you don't want to quit. You just don't like what's going on right now. And here's how we're going to help you get through it. Right. So I I really think that having that group of people is so vital in terms of your success as an entrepreneur. So we're going to shift gears here because I want to give you a chance. Um, I want you to talk about writing your book. So here's the question I ask, and you can expand on it in any way that you'd like. But I always ask our my authors who guests on the show, what was the good, the bad, and the ugly about writing and publishing your book? My editor Amanda, who's amazing by the way, she we emailed recently, and she said, "Was it worth it? Would you do it again?" I said, "100 percent, I would do it again. Like no doubt in my mind." In terms of yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I mentioned. So, so for me, the reason for writing the book was one was to. Um, it was a neat way to package all the things that I was working on at that point in time in terms of speaking, consulting, coaching into a neat package that I could that I could put out to the world and people could get a sense for the way I think about things and the way I coach people. That was one thing. A big thing was also to challenge my own self-limiting belief about my ability to write, which really stemmed from analyzing literature in college and had nothing to do with my ability to write. So that was two really big reasons to, to actually write a book. But um so doing so, I was able to create this, this package, right? So I have, I have a content piece, I have a brand um, that's out there in the general marketplace on Amazon, but also I proved to myself something that, that I didn't think I could do, which was to write and publish a book. So I'd say that's probably some of the good. Also, 
it helped me become much more authentic. So finding that voice, the way that I wanted to write to people. And, and frankly, when I started the writing the book, I thought it was going to be all anecdotes of other people through interviews. And I ended up threading many of my own stories in the book, not, not a ton, but maybe five, six, seven, or eight. Actually, yeah. I thought it kind of a lot, I guess, but a decent number of my own stories, whether it was cathartic to share it. But I think more importantly, it was, I felt like I was doing people a disservice if I didn't share some of the struggles, some of the things that I had gone through, because these 13 principles are principles that I've either gone through, that I use, that I will continue to go through. And I've tested them out for myself. So sharing my own stories made sense. So mm-hmm. those are some of the good, the good, um, the bad. I mean, it's, it's a long process. And I think having a reason to do it, something that's more than just, you know, you're upset about something, a bad relationship, and that's going to give you the food or the fuel to, to write a book. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I know for me in my twenties and thirties, I had, you know, moments, struggles with my personal life where I thought oh, I'm going to write a book. And so it's like that faded, right? I wrote, you know, half a page or a page, but not enough to spend the countless hours that it takes to write a book. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'd say a challenge. I wouldn't say the bad. It's just, it's just, it's hard. I wouldn't even say the bad or the ugly. Writing a book is one of the best things that I've ever done. Full stop. And I would encourage anyone to do it with whatever genre they're doing. But if you're going to commit, commit and finish. Don't start. Don't be like, I can imagine thousands, millions of people who start a book and never finish it and tell people about it, who you respect and admire that you're writing it. So I do a lot of volunteer work with the Navy SEAL community. So I told those guys, I can tell you, once I told those guys, I was fully in and also told my clients. And like, once you tell those people, you, you can't say, oh, I, I was too scared or I didn't have time or I changed direction or whatever. So that's really helpful to pull you through. And I'm not answering your question on the bad and the ugly, because I just don't think there's bad and ugly. It was so worth it. But the challenge was it does take a lot of time. You got to have a real reason or North Star to write the book. And also just be aware of the entire process. Because writing, it's one thing. Editing blew me away how much time that took. And a friend of mine who's, who was an early mentor of my own, it's funny, I mentored him in certain ways. He's mentored me as a brilliant writer. And I call him my provocateur to like make my writing in the early days more edgy. And he said, hey, sorry, I don't mean to be pushing the rock back down the hill again, but it's like this, this process where you, you advance it, you make edits, and someone pushes it back down or, or suggests, hey, you should restructure this, do the intro, change the way you position this, change the, the first person, the second person, or whatever it may be. That takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then also the process of publishing it. I decided to self-publish it. I worked with a person early on who thought that the book was interesting enough to go down and get an agent and go the traditional route. But I thought, A, it's going to take a lot of time. And B, I want to put the book out there just to see if, hey, is Darren crazy? Am I crazy the way I'm thinking about this? Or does, does this actually resonate with people? So I ended up self-publishing it, which there's a lot of DIY elements to it. And knowing where you want to invest to get, to make it look professional. Like I wanted my book to look professional. So I hired a very top-notch artist to create the cover. I hired Amanda, who is incredible, works with New York Times bestselling authors and was kind enough as a friends and family thing to help me edit the book. That was so important. And she gave me a lot of support to like that this book was interesting and that was good enough. So it's helpful once again, to have people on your side, to push you forward, not just give you fake praise and congratulations, but really to push you on and and to give me the hard truth. She told me, look, your intro needs total rework at the beginning. I said, okay. And that, that wasn't hard for me to hear, although she thought it would be hard for me to hear it is like, I wanted the truth because I wanted to put something that was the best as it could be. So those are some of the, I wouldn't say good, bad, and the ugly, but just resounding positives. Yes. For everything that I learned and put out there, it was something I learned so much about myself, 
the bad is really more just like, yeah, it's hard. It takes a long time, but find that window of time where you can actually write. For me, it's early morning. No one's bothering me. I got my cup of coffee. It's pitch black outside, even in, even in the um, you know summer months and just get going and get cranking and keep and commit to it and just get it done, make it happen. Well, I loved that you didn't find the bad and the ugly. We, I've had some um, guests on the show who had really bad experiences, you know, who, who went through a lot just to get that book published. So I love that you gave a different perspective on that. And, you know, the commitment that it takes uh, to write and, and publish your book. So, Darren, if people have enjoyed this conversation today and want to find out more about you, your book, how can they connect with you? Sure. I'd say in terms of just the thoughts in the book, the savageleader.com is a great place to go. Just you can learn about the book. There's a bunch of free tools that, by the way, if you buy the book, there's a bunch of complimentary tools that go along with it. Because I really want to make sure people can adopt these principles so that they can go on the journey to become great, to become that savage leader. Also, I love connecting on LinkedIn. So just search for my name, Darren Ranke. Not too many Darren Rankies in the world, although there is one actually apparently in LA. So, 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 so LinkedIn on social media and then the savageleader.com to learn more about the book. There's uh, blog articles and free tools. Awesome. So this has been Darren Ranke and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.